Welcome to Piedmont Arts. I'm Rachel Stewart. The Charlotte Symphony season opens on October 7th and 8th with concerts featuring Elgar's Cello Concerto and Strauss's symphonic poem Als Italien. Inbal Segev will be the soloist for the Elgar, and the performances will be led by Andrew Grams. Grams just finished an eight-year tenure as music director with the Elgin Symphony Orchestra in Illinois, and he's a graduate of Juilliard in the Curtis Institute of Music, and he's worked with orchestras around the world and in this country, such as the Chicago Symphony, the Philadelphia Orchestra, the BBC Symphony Orchestra in London, and the Hong Kong Philharmonic, to name just a few. And today he's our guest on Piedmont Arts. So, Andrew, welcome. Thank you for having me. One thing I'm always curious about, uh, you have not worked with the Charlotte Symphony before, is that correct? No, I have. I I think on two previous occasions, but it's been a number of years since I've been back in Charlotte. Okay. All right. So, well, I don't know if the orchestra will be the same now when you come back. What do you do when you're walking into a a new situation? You know, you're coming in um, to lead folks who play together normally, and you don't really know them that well. How do you prepare? This is a very, very interesting sort of behind the scenes thing because everybody always assumes that there's some sort of game plan. And really the game plan is pretty much what you would have if you are on a blind date, shall we say. (laughs) You know who you are. You want to present yourself in a certain way to somebody else so that that party can assess who you are and you can find the areas of commonality and the areas of difference. And then you just see where the relationship goes from there. Not just between conductor and orchestra, but between musician to musician is, okay, we are all getting together to work on this one piece, this one project together. Let's just have at it and let's just see how things work. And then you work together, you work out misunderstandings so that everybody is thinking about the project in similar ways and you just see what the relationship that comes out of that is. So I don't see it as a two-sided thing. I just sort of see it as there's a bunch of professionals getting together in a room to work on a project, and then you do it together. It sounds like a lot of flexibility is required. Very much so. And this perhaps is the greatest gift that becoming a a conductor gave to me as a human being. Being a a violinist uh, from when I was eight years old, I spent a lot of time in a practice room by myself with the music. So my relationship was to the music and there was this perfect relationship because I had something that wasn't, you know, going to give me something that I did not necessarily desire. When you become a conductor, you are no longer the person actually making the music, the musicians that make up the orchestra make up, make the music. So now your relationship is with the people that make the sound. So that really opened up for me the wonderful world that is being able to relate to a wide swath of people 
all ages, all creeds, all religions, all, all of the alls that you can come up with. And being able to work together on a singular project is the unifying force. When I conduct any orchestra, it does feel like a communal engagement and it has much more to do about all of us as people getting together rather than I as the maestro am making wonderful music in a hermetically sealed, perfect environment. Let's talk a little bit about the project that's coming up with you and the Charlotte Symphony. The Elgar Cello Concerto, focal piece, I guess, of the night. Did you program this this concert or was it already programmed? You know, I mean, these these decisions get made so early in advance of the actual concerts that I always tend to forget how the process went. <laughs> so I don't remember exactly how we, um, the representatives from the Charlotte Symphony and myself came to agree on this particular program, but the Elgar Cello Concerto within Ball is very, very important to me on two levels. One would be the level of my relationship to the piece itself, Elgar Cello Concerto. So if we were to go back to that idea of a piece of music and my relationship to it being in an, a perfectly encapsulated environment, I think it's one of the greatest cello concertos. I have never had an experience either playing in the orchestra for it or conducting it that was not a richly and deeply moving experience. Now, the other side of this particular project is the fact that Inbal is going to be our soloist. Now, Inbal and I were at Juilliard together. And the last time that we worked together was uh, she had won the concerto competition to play with the Juilliard Orchestra. And the concerto for that was the Dvorak Cello Concerto. And I happened to be her concert master for that concert. And at the end of the Dvorak Cello Concerto, there's a, an extended duet between the solo cello and the concert master. And so she and I got to work together as two string players in this particular uh, uh, instance. And now all of these years later, I get to reunite with this person to work together on a piece that both of us have our own relationship to. So it really does feel like a, a, you know, a closing of the circle in a life sense type experience. And so I'm really, really excited, looking forward to spending that time with her, not just in the rehearsal process, but also in the concert process. Will you all consult with each other before you get to Charlotte, or will it, it happen once you're together? Since the Elgar Concerto is such a standard piece, and she's she has a commercial recording available out of the, the piece, so I have an idea of her approach to it. My role as the conductor is, for this particular piece is to support her vision, her statements through this music, and I'm pretty sure that I understand them. So what I would expect is going to happen is I'll, I'll, she and I will see each other probably before the first rehearsal that we have together with the orchestra, and I'll say, 
has anything really changed? And she'll probably say no. And then I'll say, okay. And then we'll just play. Can you tell me a little bit about why you think it's such a great piece? There's the historical placement of it. You know, this is a, a World War I piece, which was then known as the Great War, a historical event of great significance. People were sure that they would probably never see that kind of destruction and that kind of upheaval again. And so you have a piece of music written by a man from England who tried to put a good face on life, on what it meant to be alive in general. And yet at the same time, the music is able to tap into the lived experiences and the lived horror of going through all of the ramifications of that type of war. And so you have a piece of music where if you can imagine the face of somebody that is smiling, yet at the same time, you can see a lot of pain behind the eyes. That is what this concerto is. It's very, very amiable on the outside, but you can tell that there's a lot of stuff on the inside that is not being shot. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, Strauss's Aus Italien and uh, describe that. And this is very different from the Elgar. This was one of Strauss's earliest uh, orchestral pieces, as opposed to a snapshot of the inner life of somebody who had gone through great turmoil. This is, you know, a postcard of vacation time in the south of Italy. So it, it, it diametrically opposed to the Elgar, but at the same time, it is still a musical exploration of impressions that one gets by visiting a foreign land. One of the movements tries to capture the luscious, liquidy, verdant areas of the of Sorrento. And at the same time, in, in the first movement, you start off with the author, with Richard Strauss, trying to imagine what this landscape was like when it was filled with the armies of Rome. What does antiquity mean? How do we convey that in music? And I think that Strauss does an absolutely fantastic job in trying to capture the times of old and also, you know, what is it like at present? He's always telling stories, isn't he? Yes. With these... Well, he's a, he is a great storyteller in music. I don't know as much about, um, you know, that story in Alice Italian, but he's got all these motifs and Don Juan and, and Till Orlin, Spiegel's Merry Pranks and is that the case here? With Aus Italien, I think he's trying to convey a musical version of a great selfie. If you were on vacation and you took a selfie in front of a Roman ruin or in front of a beautiful water garden or something of this nature, 
he tries to to capture that sort of thing. It's a little bit more personal. It's a little bit more historical. It's a little bit more of a direct musical depiction. Well, let's talk about the other piece that's on the program. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's by a composer I'm not familiar with. So if I say the name wrong, please correct me. Is it Anna Klein? Anna Klein. Okay. And it's called Pivot. So tell us about Anna Klein and Pivot. So Anna Klein is a UK-born composer who has been residing in the U.S. for a number of years now. This particular piece, Pivot, the title is quite accurate. There is a, a brief, sort of lovely introduction. It's, it sort of has a grandiose announcement. And then there's energetic, dance-like music that then quickly is going to pivot to a completely different musical language. So it, it goes along with the same sort of musical picture idea that's going to happen in the Strauss is that it's going to pivot to this, okay, I'm looking at this scene, at what's going on in this scene, and then I'm going to go back to this exciting dance-like music that is then going to pivot to a completely different scene that is going to feel very different. And then it's going to wind its way back to the exciting music, and then it's going to pivot to a third scene. It is a short piece of music that encapsulates a lot of small impressions which I think sets us up very well for the longer form impressions that you get both in the Elgar Cello Concerto and then uh, after intermission, the Strauss Aus Italian. With all these pivots, do they feel like there's a, a continuity to them? Or are they disjointed if you're changing directions a lot? I think that they are disjointed but at the same time, she has found a way to leave residue from previous pivots. So you'll have this experience, awesome. And then you use the energetic music and you pivot to something else. But there's still like some residue left over from the first area that you were in, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So it's a little bit of breadcrumbs. Yes. But not you real know, obvious. Yes. It's not real obvious and it should it it's definitely going to be in the background. Your your attention is going to be focused on the new area that you're in, but you're still gonna have, and I like that, breadcrumbs left over from the previous areas that you were in. If anybody has seen that show on Netflix Stranger Things, it kind of feels like a multiple upside down. <laughs> wow. Now that's a good selling point right there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there are a lot of um a lot of young people who should hear that description. Yeah, there there it's there are a lot of musical upside downs. Okay. Well, that'll be something to look forward to. Have you have you uh worked with Anna Klein's music before? Or is this a a new experience for you or This is the first time that I will have conducted this piece, but I have conducted at least one of her works before, a five or six movement orchestral piece that was inspired by individual works of art from a collection in Baltimore, which is where I'm from. And I think her music really captured 
the impressions from the individual pieces of music extremely effectively. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm, I'm drawn to her work because of that. Well, nice. Well, um, thanks for, for exposing Charlotte to this. It'll, I think it'll be very interesting. Anything else anybody should know about this concert, this program? Well, you know, it's, I think it's a, a wonderful program to, to start the symphony season. The Charlotte Symphony is such a wonderful group of musicians, so talented. They play so well together, and and they do so many wonderful things for the community of, of Charlotte, North Carolina, that I think that if you are the type of person that just wants to come and have a good time and have the music wash over you, this pro- program is going to do that. You don't need to know anything about the music. You can just let it wash over you and have a great time with that. Having said that, it's also the type of program where if you are curious and you want to know more either about historical references, personal stories of the composers themselves or the performers on stage, it's the type of program that you can get a lot of information about life, what it means to be a human that is born, lives, and then passes away, but lives on through their works. Well, thank you f- so much for taking the time to, uh, you know, get us a little bit more familiar with the program. And uh, we'll look forward to having you come to Charlotte. Again, I've been talking to uh, conductor Andrew Grams, who will be leading the season opener for the Charlotte Symphony on October 7th and 8th. And you've been listening to Piedmont Arts. <laughs>